when hinges creak in doorless chambers, and strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls, whenever candlelights flicker, where the air is deathly still. That is the time when ghosts are present, practicing their terror with ghoulish delight. Welcome, foolish mortals, to Dave's Disney View Podcast. Dave is your host, your podcast host. <laughs> Kindly step all the way in, please, and make room for everyone. There's no turning back now. Our tour begins here in this gallery, where you see paintings of some of our guests as they appeared in their corruptible, mortal states. Your cadaverous pallor betrays an aura of foreboding, almost as though you sense a disquieting metamorphosis. Is this haunted room actually stretching? Or is it your imagination? And consider this dismaying observation. This chamber has no windows and no doors, which offers you this chilling challenge to find a way out. Of course, there's always my way. Hi everyone and welcome to Dave's Disney View. I'm Dave, and I'm here to talk to you about something Disney related this week. And actually this week, I wanted to take a slightly different perspective on things and talk about something that's sort of Disney related, but kind of kind of odd, a little bit off. So just bear with me for a moment. Over in uh, downtown Orlando, there's a uh, place called SAC Theater Sport. And uh, it's, uh, it's spelled S-A-K. And it's this kind of fun place to go. Um, I remember when I was living up there, I used to go, oh, regularly. And this was in like 90, 91 in that, in that time frame. I would go over there all the time. And think of, uh, if you've ever seen the show, um, Whose Line Is It Anyway, uh, that Drew Carey hosted and Wayne Brady was on. If you've ever seen that show, think of it very much like that. It was, it was improv- improvisational theater where uh, guys would get up on the stage, and girls, and be up there and doing total improv based on input from uh, the, um, the person who was hosting the show and the audience. And it was really a great time and just a lot of fun. So I'd like to tell you a little bit about story about SAC Theater Sport and how it relates to Disney. So there's actually two links to Disney. The first one is through Wayne Brady. Wayne was a regular uh, uh, contributor to the show. He would be there most nights and, uh, and doing his act. And the guy was great. I mean, the whole show was really good. Everybody that was there was really pretty entertaining. I don't think there was a, a person in that, in that troupe that really didn't stand up and, and wasn't really good. But Wayne kind of stood above everybody else. Wayne was just an amazing uh, character. And he could, he could do anything. He could sing. He could dance. He, could, he was quick on his feet. He was quick-witted. He'd really think up things. And I used to love going, um, particularly on like a Friday night. He was always on. Um, and I'd go during the week, too. And on occasion, you'd see him, because uh, they, they rotated in who was there different days of the week. And he'd be there, and he'd hit some, some high notes. 
and uh, be really quite talented and quite good. Uh, and it was interesting. I, I just on the on the surface a little bit, I got to know him a little uh, because they'd have open um, open nights sometimes where you could go and you could just kind of hang out with the cast and learn what it takes to do the improvisational things. You know, think on your feet, do some things. It was sort of like these little classes, if you will. And uh, so I went to a couple of those, and they were fun and entertaining, and you learn a lot. Um, you know, again, back to that whole idea of, you know, what, what, what could I be doing? Maybe I should have taken that up as a second career. I don't know. It was a lot of fun. I mean, it was, there was a lot of entertainment value to it. Now, it was really just a lark for me. I didn't really want to make a career of it or anything, but uh, it really was a pretty neat place. But Wayne, very talented guy. Uh, he grew up there in Orlando and uh, uh, got to work for the, uh, the SAC company and was really um, just remarkable. And uh, from what I remember, most uh, many Disney executives made their way over to, to SAC every once in a while just to check out some of the, uh, some of the new, new comedy that was coming out, some of the things that were going on. And they were able to um, eventually uh, get Wayne Brady to come and work for them at ABC and uh, do some work in various capacities. And uh, one of them, of course, was Whose Line Is It Anyway? And uh, that show just grew in popularity for a number of years and was really great. And Wayne does still work for ABC occasionally and does some different shows. You've, you've seen him do the Wayne Brady show and you've seen him do some other things. But I remember him back when, when he was doing some of his uh, stand-up stuff. And it was just, I mean, really improv stuff. It was just great. I mean, the guy just, he'd think on his feet like no one I ever, I ever saw. And it's funny because I remember sitting in the, in the audience a few times and just seeing this guy whose wit was just, I mean, again, not that anybody was bad, not that there were any stiffs, but his wit was just above everybody else's. And he'd just come up with something so quickly, and it was just amazing. And I remember sitting there going, wow, this guy's great. And, you know, I moved away from Orlando, and a couple of years later, I was still thinking about this guy. I saw his name was Wayne, and he was really good. And then I'm sitting there, and I'm watching, you know, whose line is it anyway? And, the, you know, there's, the, there's Ryan Stiles and Greg Proops and um, whoever else they had, and, and Wayne Brady. And I go, Wayne Brady? Wayne Brady, he looks familiar. And then I'd hear him and I'd be like, man, he looks familiar. And then later I found out it was the same guy. And I was like, wow, that's, that's just tremendous. Because he really was ultra talented. And I, I just think it was a great fit for him. Uh, and I think he's, he's done a tremendous job for ABC and some of the things he's done there. Now, the other interesting piece to this is, why did Disney come there all the time to see what, uh, what was going on at SAC? Well, of course, some of the executives and the people that work for the company just enjoy a good comedy every once in a while. The other reason has its roots that date back even further. See, the way I understand the story and from some of the people that were in the troupe and some of the other people I've talked to in, in uh, more recent times was that uh, SAC started off as a, a group of college students who would perform at like Renaissance festivals. And they would be out there and they'd be just having a good time and, and doing different uh, silly sort of things. If you've ever been to a Renaissance festival, if you get a troupe of people there who are doing some shtick and, you know, kind of getting into character, they're always kind of goofy and funny. And, you know, it's sort of a, it's not just a look back at medieval times, it's sort of a funny look back at medieval times, and they've got a good sense of humor about them. And uh, these guys were no different. They'd go out there and they'd do that, and they'd do these uh, Renaissance festivals, and they'd have a really good time out there. And this was maybe in the late 1970s. And so um, one, of the, uh, one of the guys who helped found the troupe, uh, you know, kind of put it together and was doing some things, and at some point, at one of the Renaissance Festival, according to legend anyway, they were approached by the Walt Disney Company. Uh, Disney was going to open a new uh, theme park that was going to be called Epcot. And what they were looking for was um, some people to come and perform in various lands to have a little fun and uh, do, do some shtick kind of like this. 
um, in, different, uh, in different themed lands. So it would be some of the same stories they were telling here and some of the same comedy they were doing and maybe a little extension of it, but they'd be telling stories and having some fun and interacting with the guests in the park. So they had this idea and they presented it to the SAC company and the SAC company readily accepted. So on opening day in 1982 of Epcot, the uh, SAC Theater Company uh, was actually employed at the Walt Disney Company to do performance art. So SAC actually started performing at the Italy Pavilion, doing some of the shtick that they had uh, created for the Renaissance festivals, but kind of extending that out into some other things. Shortly after opening day, uh, Disney decided they needed to have the uh, same act going on at the UK, or something similar, so they expanded that out. Then they eventually added it over to uh, Future World, and uh, having in, uh, another group performing in the Communicore area. And these were all part of that same act of uh, these people working for SAC. And by 1985, apparently they were performing about 45 shows a day. I mean, that's a fair number of shows that are going on throughout all of the different areas in Epcot. So they were out there doing it for, I think their contract was 10 years. And toward the end of their contract, the Disney company approached them again and asked them if they would like to be, um, uh, they told them more or less, that they would like them to be uh, come cast members and have them be uh, perform on a regular basis. Now, the intention here, clearly, according to the people who were, who were in the troupe at the time, was that Disney was trying to kind of take over a little bit and uh, mandate how many shows they had to do, not have to pay them scale in the same sense so they could actually just pay them as, as, uh, as cast members and pay for their day and uh, do that kind of a thing where they'd just be doing, doing, doing it as a job instead of sort of a performance art. And again, that's according to legend. I have no Disney history to back that up. There's really nothing to prove or disprove this, but... That's the way the story goes. So at some point, the, uh, the troupe decided that it wasn't a good idea to do that. They would prefer to do their performance art as performers, and they wanted to continue it that way. So they, uh, they decided that they would uh, give, up the, uh, give up the act. And so Disney, in their uh, decision to uh, continue that sort of um, performance art, decided to uh, bring out a whole bunch of uh, executives and cast members and so forth to go and basically videotape all the shows and take copious notes. Then they hired their own cast members, and shortly after the uh, contract expired with the SAC troupe, they went ahead and they, uh, they brought, trotted out their own cast members to do the same show. And that show continues through to today. So they're doing, they're doing essentially the same show that the uh, SAC company had started, but it's no longer the SAC group doing it. So it's a little bit of a you know, contentious relationship according to some of the people that are there uh, that, that, I've, that I've met along the way. But you know, still, it's, you know, it was, it was kind of amiable in the way it ended, amicable, and they all, uh, they all walked away. Now, the funny thing was, on the, uh, I guess it would have been the fifth anniversary of them leaving, of their contract ending. So I think it was, they had a five-year contract originally, so they would have gone through about 87 or so. Um, well, anyway, after, after uh, five years after they left the park, they decided to have a little reunion show. And so what they did, they created up all their props exactly as they had them when they did the shows, and they went through the main gate just as uh, any other guest would, carrying all their props, and went in and went back to the different, uh, different areas and did a performance that day for, uh, <laughs> for, the, um, for the people that were in the park. So this would have been like, you know, October 1st, 1992 or somewhere in that range where they were out there and they were just doing the shows. In between the shows that Disney was putting on, they did a, a series of shows themselves and uh, just went out there and had some fun with it. So they stood out there and did the same gimmicky shows and stood out there and, you know, did the same things. But it was the SAC troupe doing it again, sort of as a, 
uh, a remembrance of their, of their time actually doing the shows. And as far as any guests were concerned, they didn't know the difference because the shows were essentially the same uh, because Disney had kind of copied them. And uh, so they were really doing the same show. And they just went to each of the couple of lands that they went that they had and they did a show there. Yeah, in between the shows that Disney did, it was sort of an unannounced show. And they had some fun with it. And I guess that's, you know, there's sort of a, you know, one of those legends that I think is kind of cool that they went back and they, they did it and they relived their memory of what it was like to do their shows every week, uh, every day. And uh, I thought that was kind of cool, kind of a cool way to do it. Now, whether it's true or not, or entirely true, I can't tell you. But it's a pretty good story, and I think there's probably a fair amount of truth to it. Um, you know, maybe there's some details that are in inaccurate or I've misrepresented, and I apologize for that. I'm not trying to, uh, to uh, say anything bad about anybody. I just think it's pretty neat that they had this idea that, first of all, that this group got together and did the, did the shows. I think that was pretty neat. And that Disney hired them, I think, was really incredible. Um, and that... Assuming they went back in the park at some anniversary and did the shows again, I think that you know, deserves major thumbs up in my book because that, that's a pretty cool thing to do. Now, the story doesn't end there because at some point uh, there, was one, there were three people who actually founded uh, SAC. Uh, one of them is C. McNair Wilson. And uh, Wilson was actually tapped on, at some point to become an Imagineer for Disney. His creative mind and his structure of thinking uh, actually brought him to the attention of some of the Imagineers, and they actually offered him a job working in Imagineering. One of the truly remarkable things that Wilson did was come up with this idea of providing like street-level atmosphere, or what he called streetmosphere, and that became a coined phrase that Disney used, for people performing on the streets in various areas. Now, the original intent was to provide this streetmosphere in the uh, newly created Disney MGM Studios, which was opening in 1988, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm sorry, it opened in 1989, but as they were developing it in 88, he was part of, the, uh, part of the reason that they were coming up with the idea. So he came up with the, this idea to have people performing on the street and doing different things to draw people in. And he worked with several other Imagineers, and uh, then they got uh, several of the executives of the company, including Michael Eisner involved, to kind of check out the concept and roll with it. So they developed up this, this entire idea of um, getting, getting something going on the street to kind of build the, the specter of what the 1940s era uh, studio was really all about. So that kind of developed up the whole concept. It grew from there, of course, because they already had Epcot. Now here was the uh, idea of a streetmosphere in the studios. And then eventually they created characters for the Magic Kingdom as well. So you have some of the characters wandering around the Magic Kingdom doing the similar types of things along Main Street. So that's really uh, what, his, what his brainstorm idea was. And I thought it was very clever that he came up with that. Um, it, it, one of the things he said at some point was, uh, what if when guests came down Hollywood Boulevard, and they really are on Hollywood Boulevard. Um, so they came up with several different characters. He and some of his co-founders came up with the characters and, and produced them to go on to, uh, onto Hollywood Boulevard. And it just it really worked out well. It's still a hit today. You still see them on the street, and you still can interact with them. They stay in character wonderfully. Uh, it's an amazing thing to see them out there and uh, seeing, different things out, seeing different things and the way they interact with the guests that are in the park. It's almost as if they are those people. And it really is pretty cool. Um, so it, it kind of grew from this idea of, you know, how could we grow this, uh, grow anything into MGM Studios and make something more, more advanced than like what Universal has um, and make it more interesting and compelling for the guests to come in. And I will have to do for you a whole podcast about what the backstory, what's ha what happened with MGM Studios and what it was and what I remember about it because there were some amazing things about MGM Studios that kind of got lost in history along the way. 
So we can talk about that another time. But this was really about SAC and what SAC, the SAC Theater Company brought. And SAC still performs today in downtown Orlando. So if you're ever up in Orlando and you're looking for an evening, evening's entertainment, call over there and get yourself a ticket. I mean, it's really worth the uh, time and the effort to go over there. It was something that I did fairly regularly and really enjoyed having something that was th that much fun. It was just so unusual and so unique. You don't see many things like that out there, um, really outside of like Disney World or, or one of these other theme park places where you've got something going on. Once in a while you'll run into something, and this is one of those times. And uh, it was really, really pretty neat. Um, and from the ideas uh, that, uh, that the SAC Theater group came up with, it kind of grew into something much more. They've got much more entertainment, much more live stuff happening. I would argue that even some of the, some of the bands and some of the things you see today uh, where they do you know, live performances kind of grew from this idea. Um, sure, you know, back in the Magic Kingdom, they had some of these different, uh, uh, different live bands. I mean, I can remember back in the old days of the Magic Kingdom when they used to have the steel drums playing back in, uh, by the Pirates of the Caribbean. But taking that to a new level and adding something new and unique to it and interacting with the guests. I mean, these were just before it was the steel drum performers. They would come out there, they would play, they would do their show, and then they would just disappear backstage. Here you're talking about a new level of interaction with guests and doing something more. And, you know, as you start to think about all the things that Disney has brought in since then, it really kind of comes from that. And it becomes a refinement of everything that goes on. They just keep thinking about it uh, over and over and over um, and thinking up new ideas for how to make it work. So it's really pretty cool. And uh, I do want to do add one more little note here about the Streetmosphere. Uh, the Streetmosphere kind of helped guide where the Adventurers Club grew to. So as you think about the Adventurers Club and the, the uh, several characters that were in there and doing their shtick, that grew from the idea of Streetmosphere and what they saw at the, uh, at the studios and what was successful. So that's where they, they draw, drew that idea into, the, uh, into Pleasure Island. So just remember that as you think fondly back on the Adventurers Club because I know everybody does. It was a really neat place. So anyway, that's the story about SAC and how it intersects with Disney. I think there's really a lot of interesting little tidbits in there, and I hope I shared something novel with you that you may not have known or gave you a little bit of history that you might want to look up yourself to know a little bit more about it. You can feel free to uh, drop me an email anytime to davesdisneyview at gmail.com, or you can uh, become my friend on Facebook. It's under David Kennedy, and it's uh, Dave is the, uh, is the handle there. Or uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DisneyView. Or you can visit my website at davesdisneyview.shorturl.com. So that is my show for this week, and I am out. I'll see ya. Now, please watch your head and step as you exit the moving vehicle. Take small children by the hand. The moving conveyor belt and your ride vehicle are moving at equal and opposite speeds. So please, watch your step. And thanks for joining us on Dave's Disney View Podcast.